Welcome to A Novel Life, a podcast about living life in a novel way. I am Lauren Ruth Martin, a licensed professional therapist in Tennessee. Remember, what we talk about on here is a lot like therapy, but it's not the real deal. So if you want to do the work, make sure you're doing it with a professional. Let's start the show. Hello, I am here. <laughs> There's a chance that I, I am, I've barely made it. Um, and of course, you know, I'm going to share it with you. Um, so it has been quite an adventure. Um, actually, yesterday, I found myself in the ER um, because of some lovely GI issues. And I'm going to spare y'all the details. It's not as bad as you imagine, like, with what was going on, but the pain was awful. Um, and yeah, like, I'm not gonna lie, like, nobody really wants to be in that position. It was a very tough decision to make. And I just want to start out today's show. Um, really, just to remind everybody about the gravity of what is going on. Um, our frontline workers, so our healthcare workers, our teachers, our restaurant friends, our, um, you know, retail workers, everybody right now is so tired. And I'm trying not to get on my soapbox, but at the same time, like yesterday when I was in a lot of pain and really scared, I felt awful that in the midst of a pandemic, I had to go to these lengths in order to get the care that I needed. Um, yes, I will do self-inquiry on that um, because our nurses are just tired. They're just really tired. And I, I'm kind of, I am stringing out on this soapbox because um, I really have taken advantage of how good my health has been and to have that sort of jacked up threw me for a loop. But also I was reminded, and I think I've personally developed a tolerance. I don't think I've developed a tolerance to the risk of COVID. But I think because I've been inundated with content through media that my sensitivity to how exhausting this is, I, I think I just wasn't aware. And so just a note for all of us, if we can just practice kindness, and if you're able to support a, a nurse, a teacher, a retail worker, um, somebody in the restaurant industry, all of your frontline workers that are in the throes of this, if you're able to support them with like a, a cup of coffee or a quick note um, or anything like that, I know that a lot of us are struggling in different ways. Um, but it's like that saying, like we're all in the same boat. And the thing is, we're not all in the same boat. We may be in the same water, but I think we all have different boats. And like where, you know, I know that I've been stretched, you know, I think we've all been stretched in different ways. I know I have, but just kind of seeing them, you know, working their tail off in the midst of this and, and still being as caring, as compassionate as possible. I think just practicing kindness um, and just being aware that the season of life is just weird. And so I think, you know, in the next week, I know we're in crunch time with the holidays. Um, I think if we can all take a lot of breaths, if we can all have compassion 
in an RODBT, we say if we can lead with kindness first and foremost, um, I really think that's going to take us far. You know, did I like the shade that the doctor threw at me? No, but I, I gave some compassion because that doctor's probably been doing a lot of craft lately that um, he probably didn't want to do. You know, with that, I'm I'm fine. Just FYI, like I'm I'm fine. I'm working on other stuff to resolve some issues, but you know, things are still really really hard, and this pandemic isn't done. And so, as you're just going day to day, if you're able to give those that are doing a lot of really hard work just a word of encouragement or a token of your appreciation to let them know that they matter because they do especially right now. Let's take a quick break. Now that I'm off of my soapbox, I'll probably get on another one at some point. Um, So this week's question was, um, it was a comment actually on something I posted today about pushbacks and don't hurt me's. And I'm probably going to do more content on that. But essentially, the question was, how do we um, how do we react if somebody that we know is giving us a pushback or don't hurt me? Um, And so if you're curious about what a pushback or don't hurt me is hop on my Instagram, I have a video all about it. Essentially, it's two different types of communication that are indirect. So either a little bit more aggressive, like, you know, like uh, literally like imagine me pushed back with like your facial expression and words or don't hurt me is kind of like making yourself small and you know kind of falling apart either way what it does is block unwanted feedback and kind of gets people off your case and so if you notice that that's going on what's important is for to recognize in you what's being activated so like for you if somebody is engaging in either one of those Uh, ways of communication like how are you responding do you find yourself um, wanting to you know fight back especially if somebody does a pushback it's more than likely going to elicit the urge to want to push back to you Um, if somebody is engaging in a don't hurt me you have this urge to like you know caretake because that's what the response does that's what uh, fancy word mirror neurons that's um, basically like we have a tendency to reflect what's being thrown at us in the moment um, and so we're going to respond to that and there's nothing wrong with that that's how these things work so the first thing you have to do when you're noticing that sort of um, response happening to you is to notice how you're responding and if you notice yourself feeling sort of activated or you know feeling some type of way, take a deep breath, take a little, a quick little reset and just describe what's going on. You know, somebody is giving a pushback and you could just reflect back and be like, so what I hear you saying is check for clarification. You're actually going to use these validation skills that I've talked about in previous episodes, you're going to use validation skills to get a better understanding of what's going on. So using validation by reflecting back, um, taking a guess as to what they meant, and then also just describing what's going on and being like, hey, I asked you to take out the trash. I always talk about taking out the trash with a skill. I know that you're taking out the trash and you just asked me, why don't I just do it? Um, Like, what do you mean by that? And if you hear the tone in my voice, it is a little bit sing-songy because what it's doing is conveying a sense of curiosity. So whenever you see something like that going on, lean in with curiosity. Don't jump on their case. Don't make assumptions. 
go into those validation and clarifying statement or clarifying question sort of dialogue, because at that point, what you're trying to do is continue to maintain engagement in the conversation. Like if you ask somebody how they're doing and they kind of start to fall apart and be like, whoa, 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 like, hey, like, are you good? I just asked how you were doing and you seem to kind of be, you know, not doing okay. Like, do you want me to back off? And even saying that out loud, do you want me to back off instead of just backing off naturally gets clarification from the sender that that's what they want you to do. And there's a big difference between engaging in um, our unhelpful communication, like pushbacks and don't hurt me's, um, and doing it unknowingly, and then also making a choice. Like there's a difference between somebody giving me the death glare and me backing off than me looking at that person and saying, hey, you know, I, I see that you're staring at me. Are you wanting me to back off? Um, because then from there, they have to make an active choice to say, yes, I want you to back off. Um, or if somebody's like in the headspace, what you're doing is getting clarification so that both of y'all are on the same page if you do disengage or hopefully you can continue engaging because what you do is get back on the same page you repair if any sort of misunderstanding has gone on in the process of it and then you're able to move forward is this easy to do not so much like I'm aware of my tone as I'm sharing this thing of like hey when somebody engages in these really un you know, and here's the thing, we all engage in these behaviors. So we don't want to look at these as bad things, but we all do it. And to be on the receiving end of it, it's going to make you feel some type of way. So you got to activate social safety, validate, clarify, and hopefully stay engaged. Um, Let's take another quick break and then we'll do our deep dive. In the holiday spirit, you know, a lot of influencers and stuff give out gift guides. And, you know, this episode is like a therapist version of a gift guide. And, um, you know, the biggest gift I think that we can all, including myself, really learn to develop and maybe something we can give ourselves this year is a scotch of self-forgiveness. And some people use the term uh, self-compassion, which is from Kristen Neff, but I'm going to use the word self-forgiveness. In fact, forgiveness work a lot of times involves our expectations of other people. It can involve expectations of ourselves. And in fact, you know, and this is more anecdotally, but something that a lot of us therapists see is that it is far, far harder to forgive ourselves than it is other people. And, you know, there's this school of thought that really doesn't believe that forgiveness work, especially with other people, sometimes isn't necessary. Um, You know, I, I can see multiple views on that. I think it's okay to struggle with forgiveness. And I think we have to sort of get a better idea as to what forgiveness means when it comes to other people. But for the sake of today's podcast, what I really want to kind of focus on and and go on a verbal sort of roundabout journey is this idea of why we're so damn hard on ourselves, um, why self-forgiveness can be hard. 
and how to begin navigating that process to where in this season after the year that we've had, you know, I know that all of us want 2020 to be over, but the thing is we're going to be carrying a lot of 2020 into 2021, but how can we begin that process or at least start grasping the concept of self-forgiveness so that hopefully in this season we can lighten the load of our burden. So the way that I'm going to break this down is about the things to consider when working on self-forgiveness and then ways that you can implement that in your day-to-day life. Um, because there's the, and, and this is very much the, I'm taking RO and ACT framework and then putting this concept of self-compassion, self-forgiveness in the midst of this. And a lot of what um, both of these treatments target are going to be the mental aspect of it and then also the behavioral or the social signaling aspect of it. And so when we think about the mental aspect of self-forgiveness, self-compassion, we have to ask ourselves, what are like if you look at your present and as always, when you do self-inquiry, it just begins self-reflecting. Um, and sometimes this is the easy part because this is where you get to get honest with yourself and kind of beat yourself up a little bit. But really looking at yourself and asking, where have I, um, where have I steered off track from my values? Um, where have I disappointed myself? Are there expectations that I'm holding on to that are just comfortable or they feel like shoulds as opposed to things that can really benefit my life? So you have to kind of think about what's influencing these things that are burdening you. Um, for example, you know, I work with clients and um, that idea, they're like, I want all A's. But then they get caught up, you know, down the road with, well, I want, um, I want the best grade in the class, or I want, a, I want a 99 or a hundred, I can't accept a 94. And in that investigation of headspace, it's helpful to be like, okay, where did it change from? I want all A's to, it must be a 99 or a hundred. You know, those shifts that we pick up over time are either responses to how we're feeling. Um, it's a response that maybe our effort, we didn't feel like our effort, efforts were enough, or maybe we just get off track. So you got to, you got to look at your expectations. You got to ask yourself, are these expectations, did I set myself up to fail to begin with some of these expectations? Are these expectations even what I want? Or they, do they feel like they're things that I should have? Um, am I beating myself up just because that feels more familiar? Like when we think about this headspace and this lack of compassion, a lot of this is because we come from disciplined backgrounds or we've come from, we've come from environments that really push like the work hard mentality. And I'm not anti work hard because working on your mental health is hard work. I think where I start to, where I want to challenge that is where there's a lot of glorification of hard work just for the sake of hard work when it may not be yielding the best result. Um, case in point, and, and I'm comparing a lot of this to like academic situations just because of what I've seen lately. But okay, imagine that you're in high school 
and you're a great writer, like you know your strengths, and you're in chemistry, and you put all of your effort into, you put as much effort possible into your grades, whether that's studying extra, getting tutoring, um, taking extra notes in class, like there are things that you are doing, a lot of effort is going into um, your chemistry grade, and you still come out with a C. And a lot of times, like I can remember this growing up and we're all guilty of it. Like we're all guilty of giving and receiving this is that we, you know, my parents be like, well, you should have studied harder. And it's like, but, but what if I'm just not good at chemistry? And my parents meant well, because they, they knew that I was smart, but they saw me putting effort into things that I felt more comfortable doing and more strengths-based. And so when we think about this idea of really looking at expectations, um, we got to get clearer with our expectations and maybe a part of where we are disappointing ourselves is that we haven't sat down and clearly defined our expectations. So we did set ourselves up for failure and we have every right to begin grieving that and challenging that and learning from that. Um, when we think about the areas where we have disappointed ourselves, sometimes we do, um, that is that is perfectly, that is normal and very typical. Um, Like when I, there are times like where I actively choose to procrastinate because I'm letting my, my mood get the best of me. And I just don't, I don't, I kind of go into fatalistic mind. I just don't want to do anything because I don't, I don't feel like changing right now. And on the back end, I'm like, damn it. Like I did that thing again. It's okay. If we disappoint ourselves, we, In fact, we need to disappoint ourselves because that's how we show ourselves that some areas in our life need to change. That's a big hallmark of RO is that things that we do awesome jobs at avoiding, whether that's conflict, making mistakes, disappointing ourselves, um, letting other people down, all of these things that we try to avoid like so intensely are necessary in order to highlight our change. So when we think about that headspace as to what, where we are mad at ourselves or where we have yet to forgive ourselves, a lot of that is going to be tuning into and looking at ourselves instead. And we're not beating ourselves up. We're, we're having more of like an open, honest, compassionate. So if you hear my voice, what you have to do is imagine like a friend talking to you or imagine like a mentor in your life or, or somebody that has spoken very well to you that has kind of like been able to instill like safety with you or a hug or you almost think about like Mr. Rogers or, you know, reading Rainbow, LeVar Burton, you know, those sort of things you think about those type of characters and them talking to you and not, not in this soothing voice, like, Hey, but you know, it can be a more direct, frank conversation of like, Hey, you know, let's look at where you've disappointed yourself. Let's look at where you've let yourself down because maybe you have messed up. Okay, that's like, that's what we do. But let's see what may have caused that because maybe there were other things going on. You know, like what I said at the at the top of the podcast, like I, I got really sick over the past few days, and I'm behind in various areas. And so I'm having to in the moment practice that compassion, that prioritization and realizing like, I Like I was doing really well productivity wise. I was getting stuff done, still working out the kinks just with my general like 
time management's always a struggle for me. Um, but like I was on track and, and, uh, like there was a wrench thrown in my plants. It doesn't mean that everything's going to, you know, just, I can't, give into fatalistic mind and jump ship. I have to stay on the boat, um, you know, change up my course, but I also need to sit down and take inventory of what did cause that disappointment. Where did I let myself down? Where did I, where did I make decisions that weren't the best and what contributed to it? So once we kind of take that inventory and see what's been going on, the act of self-forgiveness and the act of self-compassion is not only in investigating all of that without beating ourselves up or punishing ourselves too hard, but it's in also in the behaviors that we carry out from there. It's about shifting the language in our head. We literally change the voice in our head. We try on different voices. We try figuring out new ways to see things. You know, like I said, rather than beating myself up for getting behind, I had to look at myself and say, Hey, you know, your, your body hijacked you. You're having to navigate some things. It is okay. If, if we go back to that concept of glass versus plastic balls, you're going to have to drop some plastic balls. It doesn't mean that you have to start from you know, from the first start, it's just some things are on pause and that's okay. You know, some projects that I had in mind, some things that I needed to do are going to be paused, but they're not, you know, they're not in my, they're not gone. There's not going to happen on my timetable. And so talking to myself like that, rather than focusing on the, you should have done this or you should have done that. If you think about it, that's really unproductive. Like if you imagine yourself, if you had, if you were a boss and you were managing and you you had 10 employees um, and I'm thinking about the various thoughts in our head. And if you were just like waving your finger at all of your employees and just telling and asking them questions like, how did you get here? This shouldn't be this way and running around with your head cut off like that would not be productive for your team of people. And so that's the same thing that we do with our thoughts. And you can even imagine. So if we pull on some of the act stuff, if we almost create our own like fairy godmother in our head and contextualize them in our mind as a person um, that has a specific demeanor and a voice and they're kind of like our compassion coach Um, then that little voice can come in and start steering us to better behaviors and what we're doing then is coming up with action steps like hey you got behind what could have you what could you could have you done what could you have done in advance in order to make that work and that's actually something that I did and I'm coming up with a game plan to get um, caught up on some admin stuff during my um, little sabbatical from clinical work that I'm doing after Christmas so that I can implement a new system um, and experiment with that in the new year and so taking inventory thinking okay we've got to change some things up I, you are going to have to hold yourself more accountable, but let's, let's come up with a plan. Let's put it in writing. Let's revise your schedule a little bit to meet that so that you won't do the likelihood that you won't be stuck here again will happen. Here's the thing. I'm probably going to get in this spot again because I know myself, but what I'm trying to do is focus 
on decreasing the likelihood of it. And do you see how that setup is flexible? Because I'm not going to replace a mistake with a rule. I'm going to look at new systems and I'm going to also give myself permission to get to this place again. Um, but do, but with more extenuating circumstances, some looking at reducing what's called my vulnerability factors to getting in that spot again. This also goes into like behavior wise, how we carry ourselves day to day. Um, so when I was sick, you know, and I've had to do that, I've had to really pace myself because as soon as I would start to feel good, I would start sort of overcompensating. And so instead of, and this is something Henry gets onto me about a lot is that he's a doer. And so if I'm not feeling 100%, he tends to like that sort of like what he does, he like makes sure that there's food, like he, he gets stuff done, and then I feel guilty. And so when I start to feel better, you know, I started like doing laundry and doing this and doing that instead of resting, and I kind of wore myself out again. So you have to be aware of, you know, these, these things that you do in in the light of self-compassion is being aware of pace. Um, I don't need to overcompensate for what, where I may have fallen short. Um, I don't need to grovel or beg or even double down and way overcompensate for what things I'm behind on. It's the idea of going about my day to day with my shoulders up with, um, expressing compassion to myself instead of like, Oh my gosh, I did this to myself saying out loud, like, Hey, today's going to be a slower day. Hey, these are my priorities for today. I'm walking around. I'm, I'm telling you this podcast, if you can hear it in my voice, my shoulders are up. I'm speaking with my head up. I'm speaking with conviction because like what I'm doing is recognizing like, Hey, you got sick. People get sick all the time. You got behind on a few things like you did. You took care of what's important. The other stuff will get taken care of. So on top of that, so I developed a new system. So that's taking action steps, which is called committed action and act. I am, you know, checking my social signaling. So being aware of my posture, being aware of how I interact with others, being aware of the language that I use when talking about what's going on with others. And I'm exhibiting so I'm going opposite to shame. And so if we think about um, chapter eight in the RO book of going opposite to unjustified shame, I'm showing that in my posture, I'm showing that and where I'm being open, I'm not apologizing for um, being behind on a few things. I'm saying thank you, instead of I'm sorry, like with my clients, I continuously thanked them for being flexible over the past few days, instead of, you know, going into over apologizing mode, because that's uncomfortable for somebody else to deal with. But if I thank them and express gratitude, that that in turn is also self compassion, because I'm not beating myself up in the process for being a human. And so that's where the social signaling piece and how we present our self compassion to others really solidifies the new learning and self forgiveness. And so when we think about where our behavior changes, you have to kind of do a look like mentally do some investigating of what are the behaviors that I do to reinforce my shame? You know, how do I carry myself around the house? How do I carry myself outside of the house and with others? What do I do when I'm not in a compassionate place? Do I not ask for help? 
You know, an act of self-compassion can be asking for help. An act of self-compassion can be having hard conversations with people and and setting boundaries. Um, Self-compassion and self-care does feel very self-centered, but it's also taking into consideration that how you present to other people and how you present yourself to the world it takes a knowledge of self. So I'm being mindful of how I signal to others, what I ask of others, um, how I approach day-to-day life in a more, and when I say confident manner, it's not that I'm exuding confidence, but I'm keeping myself in a posture that doesn't keep myself stuck in that place of shame and regret and just like, ugh, just defeated. And so when we think about this combo of addressing our thoughts, and then also how it impacts our body and how we go about our day to day life, investigating those two is that's sort of like your secret sauce for beginning to implement self compassion on a daily basis. Um, It's okay to forgive yourself for struggling with self-forgiveness. This is, again, a practice that's going to ebb and flow. You don't just forgive yourself and then move on. There's a solid chance that a lot of the stuff that you have disappointed yourself with in the past is going to come up again because that's how our brains work. So this is a skill that you can rinse and repeat and give to yourself and make a practice so that you are more open to mistakes, you are more open to taking some L's and really focusing on the bounce back. Because if you think about it, the bounce back is what solidifies new change. And it's what solidifies your ability to manage your mental health long term. Thank you so much for tuning in to another week. Um, I am going to try to have a podcast episode next week for the holidays. So if you're um, traveling or if you're just chilling, um, you at least have a little bit of support during the holiday season. Um, Please give this podcast a rating, a review. It really helps get it out there so that all this goodness can't be kept to yourself. So share it with your community. It would mean a lot. Um, So thankful for y'all. Have the week you're going to have, and I'll see you next week.